Welcome to my weekly market commentator podcast where I speak to the leading investment professionals and fund managers in the country and we try to get an understanding of their perceptions of valuations and where they see value. We also look at what they are currently buying and probably more importantly, what are they selling? And my guest today really does not need any introduction. It's Rob Spaniard and he is the Chief Investment Officer of Resco Asset Management and he has been in this position since 2004. Rob, thank you so much for joining me. I, I did a bit of research today and I was surprised to see that Resco only has five funds. Uh, is that correct? I would have thought there would be more. Yeah, no, Ray, firstly, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon to all your listeners. Really great to be able to chat here. We've got, um, we, we try to get our, our best views. So we're not trying to add, you know, the dangers you had five funds become 10 funds, become 20 funds. Um, and, and so we try try to keep it onto a best view and, 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 and limit that. Yeah, many other asset managers actually follow a different approach. I think there are more than 3,000 collective investment scheme options available to investors today and <laughs> and it makes it very difficult to choose no well, well that, that actually is a you know you always want to do that it's great for marketing because uh, you have you have a whole lot of horses in the race um and and then after the event you pull out a fund that's done particularly well and mm -hmm. and you tout the performance the problem is up front the investors didn't know which one to choose um and and so it's, it's i think you can have a bit of a game with that uh, marketing guys and funds always like a, so if you have if you have 20 30 funds you're always going to have one that's got stunning performance if you've got five funds uh you've got to be a lot more sharp and on it um you but, but at least it, it, investors know going forward what they what they need to choose but before we look at your funds uh, i want to discuss your investment approach and especially the way you use data and technology because you do place a lot of emphasis on technology tell us about this approach well with data you know what what's happened in the world at the moment is it's it's the world we live in data has become incredibly abundant there's there's data that for everything um and it's really because of the internet fairly free, freely accessible at the same time as you've had another trend, which is computing power has become very cheap. And, and you obviously on, on our laptops have all got much more powerful, but particularly in the area of cloud. Um, so you can, you know, some of our machine learning models will fire up 70,000 equivalent MacBook Pros. So it's like firing up 70,000 MacBook Pros and you process, you know, a, a whole lot of terabytes of data and, and you can run that through in one model. Now that that you couldn't do five years ago and so you need to be able to have the technology to to process large data sets and make an intelligent uh, come to an intelligent conclusion that's where machine learning becomes very effective you know there's a lot of nonsense is spoken about machine learning but it's also a massively useful thing and the analogy we often give is you know you you find like a google google photos for example can recognize pictures of your kids uh, when they're babies a lot better than you can in a lot of cases um, and, and, and so machines are getting better at recognizing patterns and pictures, um, actually, than people are. But, it, but it's, it's, it's very new. You've got to kind of use the data. So we spend a lot of time learning data, processing data. And then our investment team needs, you, you need that, those tools at your, your fingertips. So you're obviously, like in our equity fund, every time we buy or sell a share, we see what it does to the risk stats of the portfolio. You can do some very detailed calculations on it moves the risks that's up or down and, and is it 
are you happy with the result that you would get if you added 5% of share X to the portfolio? Does the ability for these tools to crunch numbers uh, to the extent you have explained, does it flow through to better investment decisions? They're starting to. Up till now, you know, three or so years ago, the world got super excited. You read so many articles about machine learning and it changes the face of, of investment. As with all of these things, it proves to be, it's actually a lot more complex than you initially think it is. But it's, it's you know, like they often said on the internet, you'll overestimate, initially overestimate the impact it makes. And if you think around 2000, it was going to change everything and there's a lot of disappointment. And in the longer term, you tend to underestimate the impact it makes. I think where you are now, where you understand the complexity of it, um, it actually is becoming very, very useful. But it's darn hard and darn complex. Do you do it in-house or do you use yeah, the do. data from an we, external? We, we, no, you, you, we, we've got a team um, which is called Alice. Uh, that's it's it sounds like the lady's name, but it's automated learning investment systems. We've got we've got a quite a hotshot team run by, by a guy called Jan Crano, who's probably the leading guy in SA and, and sort of certainly international guys we talk to. We're doing some pretty pretty cool stuff, but they're, they're highly focused on on learning and understanding and, and building the systems around it. Uh, Let's look at your funds. I don't know if you saw, but uh, we published an article on MoneyWeb today and it ranked the top equity funds in South Africa according to their performance over the past five years. Only funds with asset under management of more than 10 billion was uh, included in this ranking and the top performing fund was the core shares S&P 500 and if you invested 100,000 rand in this fund five years ago, you would have around 237,000 rand today. You also have an equity fund that has performed really, really well over the past few years. Uh, it does not have 10 billion under management, so it was not included in this ranking. But if you invested 100,000 rand in this equity fund five years ago, what would the value be today? Yeah, that, that number would be about 185,000, which is, but with quite low risk stats. That, that's what we're trying, to, we're trying to aim for. We don't want a lot of volatility. So we're working hard on keeping the volatility low. So if you plot it on a matrix with the, with the other funds in, 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 our, in, our, in the sectors, you get a, you, you, you get, we want very low volatility stats and risk stats, but we still got the performance. So that fund's about one and a half billion. It's a decent sized fund, um, one and a half billion rand. Um, but yeah, it's about, about 185,000 100, would become 185,000. Yeah, that would put you in fifth position. Um, but what is interesting is that all the other funds, the first three are internationally focused funds, um, actually index trackers or mm. exchange traded funds. And, and your fund is virtually exclusively uh, looking at the local market. Yeah, it is. It's an SA only equity fund. Um, so, so we, it's great for a building block where guys are saying, look, we want to get our offshore exposure some other way, um, but we want to, we want to compound it in South Africa. Um, and, and yeah, so it's SA only equity. So it's, we've got a much smaller set of shares to choose from than when you can choose from the whole world. I'm looking at the, the top 10 shareholdings in the fund right at the top with around 8% 
of the total value of the fund, uh, AB InBev, uh, and then number two, Discovery. Uh, number three is Mondi, and then Bitcorp. Uh, they are not usually the, the companies you would see. Currently, I think a lot of funds or equity funds look at the commodity sector and, and the financial sector. But just take us through the thinking of uh, the, the top holdings, uh, AB InBev, Discovery, Mondi, and Bitcorp. Yeah, I mean, ABM is interesting. You know, they've, 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 we, we put them in recently at, at, at that holding. Uh, we think they've been pushed down quite a bit. Um, so they got quite cheap. Um, they, you know, they, it's a great business. It obviously was totally overpriced at one stage, but it's come back to a nice, great value where, we, where we've been buying it. Um, as you get into opening up, um, from from COVID and people start going out again. That's it's they're well positioned for that. That's what we like about them. Uh, obviously, you know we're reading today. There's a new variant of Delta. If you all go back into lockdown, then you need to change your opinion and and and, and sell it. Uh, but that's a current current view. You know, I was in London last week. It seems like everything is actually getting a bit back to normal in a lot of the world. Vaccines seem to be working. Discovery we think is a super interesting one. A business we've liked for a long time. Um, they, they, the value of their, their vitality business. Um, now, everyone, if you talk to financial advisors, some people hate discovery, some people love discovery. It's simply a well-run business, but um, their, their vitality business is internationally. We think it's a no-brainer that eventually over time they spin it off. Uh, because you take international, there's a company internationally called Lemonade, which we've tracked for a while, which is which is doesn't do a fifth of what um, what Vitality does, and it's got a mega market cap. Uh, so we think you're getting a free, the international side of the business is potentially valuable, and you're not overpaying for the local business. A good, a good, um, a good business. Um, you know, the the Mondi is a is a is a nice business. It's you know they're super well run. The whole goods thing, online selling. Um, they just they, they, cardboard is a lot of what the product they're making. It just uh, positions them uh, really, really nicely in in that environment. Um, you know, they can they they try to look for good businesses, not overpriced. We're not benchmark trackers, um, and and you know, so you're trying to find look out the box. Which is an environment. You know, we have a uh, we have a, we have a mindset of of trying to find businesses, not tailwinds, and Mondi Mondi has got that. Uh, it can get overpriced, but it's, a, it's we think a really, really decent business. And lastly, Bitcorp. Bitcoin, in the end, is a um, also an opening up business. The world gets back in, and they're strong. So a lot of the weaker competitors, we think, either will have, have exited or be available to purchase. So it's as the world starts to open up, starts getting back into going to eat out, Bitcorp is very nicely positioned for that and they've got a great tradition through the old brand joffy Bitvest, which obviously bitcorp is spun out on, on that international food service of consolidate they integrate businesses so well you know some people buy buy something and then they just wreck it the Bitvest bitcorp mindset do that so well and so you can go and buy these family-run businesses which is so many of them in, the, in their sector and so it's we think it's a great opportunity for them now, I see Bitcoin up around 18% year-to-date. AB InBev down around 11%. Yeah. Um, and uh, also pressure on Discovery year-to-date down 10.5%. And, and Mondi has done well around in the green with about 10%. But there's a clear absence of these big internationally focused companies, uh, maybe bar AB InBev. 
the Naspers, uh, Richmond, uh, and the like, uh, they're not on, on the list, um, which is a bit of a contrarian approach, is it not? Yeah, I'd just like pointing out one of the things that's important in this environment where, where shares are moving around, you know, Discovery is a great one, as you rightly said, it's really done much over the last year. My numbers have got it up slightly, but I'm not going to cover over a couple of percent. But we didn't like it for, we used to previously own it, and then we say, look, wow, third wave COVID, what's it going to do to their, their life assurance business? Um, you just need to not be there for a while, so you could... We just we, we actually weren't, weren't in the share, but then you know when you kind of got down to the 120 rand, um, it became very attractive. Now it's closer to 140. So there is a feature of our market where you've got to be. Sometimes you need to take your profits um, and, and 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 just and, and not just sit with things forever. The Nasdaq thing is an interesting share. We haven't held very small amounts over over the years. It's two. One is an ESG problem. Um, you know, governance is environmentally they're superb governance. It's a bit of a problem. They report to the Chinese government. Um, you've got to you've got to be disturbed of a governance thing, um, where you st- might start getting run by utilities. So, so the, that's disturbed us for a while, and, never, and, and then you get the, the, the own way the way Nuspes only tends. The Nuspes don't report to the Chinese government. Their biggest biggest holding, which is obviously ten cent, is China. But the, the way Nuspes own ten cent is through this thing called the BIE structure. Which I won't mm. bore your listeners. Mm. It, it's it's a very scary way to own something. You don't really own anything. It's it's probably a great. Uh, you could probably do a whole um, uh, session on on BIE structures and have some debates on it. But we don't like. We want to really own a part of a company. Whenever we buy a company, we want to own a piece of it. And we don't think Nuspass own properly own a piece of Tencent. They've got some notional interest in the IP, which which we don't like, especially in an environment where the Chinese government has got very very aggressive. And that's why we wouldn't want to own NUSPAS. Um, you know, we, we're happy to own some of the the big, we, we, you know, the Anglos, the Billitons. We, we, we like those things. We just think iron ore's got, got we, we, we've had a lot of commodity shares at times. We think China's slowing down their property sector, uh, which they have to do. It's become a bit of a Ponzi scheme. It becomes very tricky for iron ore um, and, and, and some of the, which is very important in all of, particularly in, in Billiton, which is a very big share in South Africa. Less so in Anglo's, but it is it is a headwind, even for Anglo's. Um, and if there's a bit of a slowdown in China, it's probably you don't want to be completely. Oh, we've got some commodities, but you want to trim that back. One of your other interesting funds is your value trend fund, and what you achieved really well was prior to the crash of the world markets in March last year, you moved a lot of your equity exposure over to bonds and cash, and you actually uh, protected value during that crash, but you didn't get back in to benefit from the bounce we saw afterwards. Just take us through the thinking there. So we prepare to be active asset allocators, which is very rare in South Africa. In fact, I don't know anyone else who's prepared to do it. You see trouble coming, you leave the party. So so most of our competitors would, would stay in no matter what the outlook was. So, so we're happy we see we did it before the global financial crisis. We took all our clients out of the market. We did it um, before coronavirus. We took everyone out. And then, then we actually, to some degree, got back in and we managed it. the risk control. We did well, but did really, really well till October. Um, then our concern was, you know, this other variants rolling out. And the stimulus that had been done had become sort of crazy in America, the amount of stimulus going into the American presidential election, we're saying there's going to be inflation. So I'm very worried about inflation rearing its head. Now, what happens with why inflation is important 
is it means the central bank, in this case, particularly the U.S., which is very dominant in world markets, has got to slow the inflation down. Um, you can have a hang of a party until there's inflation, and then someone's got to wind the party up. So we, we got very concerned beginning of the year. We predicted inflation superbly, um, yet the Fed have decided to be blind about inflation. Um, and and if, if even in by, by their own admission, have just been wrong. Um, now inflation is a problem. Um, you've got inflation, headline inflation, over 6%, um, 6.2%. Now, if, if you had another 0.2% on it, listeners have got to really understand that's the worst headline inflation. There's a little blip in 1990. Otherwise, it pulls you back to 1982. Um, you, you've got this inflation that no one really believed impossible. Everyone believed it was impossible. Your core inflation, which is stripping out energy, is also back never been this high since 1990. Yesterday, they um, announced initial jobless claims, which was surprising because it was the highest, the lowest initial jobless claims since 1969. So the US, it's a bizarre thing in an environment that the Fed are still printing money and interest rates are zero. So we, we've been right on inflation. We've just, it's a bit of a pain trade. Our funds really struggled this year. A good record of getting our clients out of trouble um, and we feel the party has just become really dangerous. Uh, that's our view. Time's going to tell. Certainly inflation, as predicted, as all the research we've done beginning of the year, is accelerating very, very fast in, in the U.S. particularly um, and, and in Europe, and it's only a matter of time before they have to do something about it. What are you doing to, to mitigate this? We're trying to hedge our equity. Um, you know, we've got positions in inverse positions on on us long bonds um, so if rates go up we the, the funds make money um you, you you're trying to be you're having obviously not trying to not have much duration in fact we've got negative duration and very very low equity exposures now it's a pain trade because it always it costs you a little bit to hedge um but we think it's it's right and it works out i mean i'll give you an example of a dollar tree which is one of those american you know, dollar companies, they sell everything for a dollar. It was a good FT article yesterday. They've raised most of their prices to a dollar twenty-five. Hmm. Now, the the problem on it, with a party ends, it ends hard because everyone believes this party carries on forever. Yeah. Um, so, so sitting out, take the pain. We're happy to do it because the facts are agreeing with us. Um, and and and, but we, but you know, it's. It, it's always going to be a bit of a pain trade, but I think it, it's the latest stage of a bu- bubble, um, and you've the facts are, are backing up our thinking. So we we're happy to stay with that, um, and and we the, we our clients mostly we their shock absorber in their portfolio, and and that really works well for for our client base. So so you'll sit struggling performance now, but it, it changes very quickly. The latter stages of a bubble. Can you maybe expand yep. on that? And, and what are you doing to really mitigate that risk? <laughs> well, you know, you get latter stages of a bubble. And I think the last one in, in was 2000. Um, and you just, what, what the market is, start, start ignoring valuation. Valuation doesn't matter. Only, um, you know, any idiots would look at valuation. And, and you get the sort of mantra that we have now is equities only go up. Um, in fact, borrow money and buy equities. Uh, there is an alternative to equities or TINA, um, and and the market encourages you to just take more and more risk, and and we, 
it, it's hard to be different. We prepared to do that. You know, Corona was wonderful because you could see it was developing very quickly. We could get out and then two weeks later, you were very, very right. This has taken months, taken most of this year, but just sit, try, be risk off. Don't hold risk assets. In other words, don't have bond duration and, and be very careful of equity exposure at, at, at this junction, which is very contrary to what what a lot of people think because it's equities have just been so good to you this last year that people are in love with them. Yeah, absolutely. And the local market, the JSE, has hit several all-time highs in, in recent weeks. Do you think the JSE is also overvalued uh, to the same extent? Yeah, we, we, we correlate very closely to the international markets. Um, there's not some, we're not on a different planet, uh, so, so international markets falling take us with it. Um, and we've been swept up by that same mindset. And we've got some of our own homegrown problems. Our, our local economy is, is not great. Um, you know, fortunately, we've got some, some good international shares that, that you can buy um, that, that are listed here. Um, but but you being swept along, you know that big pop on Richmond's share price the last two three weeks up up thirty forty percent. That's an international share, uh, or or miners, or a lot of our market cap of our um, of, of of the JC is 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 international. It goes with the international economy. Um, so we, we we get swept along either up, which we're loving now. In fact, we did an interesting piece a while ago on how closely our market correlates with the Russell, which is a American small cap index at the Russell 2000. We correlate, you know, you can see every dip we move, they move. Um, and and that's, that's world markets that you get these correlations across markets. So we could never expect we're going to be something different. So which is why I'm saying our equity fund, the fund obviously always has to be fully invested. Um, but we're trying to get the, the beta down, the volatility stats of the shares that we own that will fall less than, than the market falls. That's an interesting scenario, but professional managers, fund managers would say, don't try and time the market. Do, do you regard this as reacting to signals or trying to time the market? But timing means you're trying to jump in and out. But, you, you know, if, if, the point we make, and maybe we maybe we dump, because it's a be a lot easier just to keep everything in the market. But who does it otherwise? That's the, that's the question we ask. And is it the, the dentist in Santon who's supposed to work out when, it, when he should be in risk assets and how much risk to be taking? We think fund managers are paid to do it. Um, is the, fund, uh, the financial advisor supposed to do it? So what happens, you get this environment where everyone just stays static asset allocation. We think fund managers are paid to do it and should man up and do it. Now, not everyone would agree with us on that, but if if not us, if we don't do it, then who does do it? Um, and that's that's always an interesting debate on... on so close, so, so the market's been in a bull market pretty much since, you know, since, since the GFC almost in South Africa. And so what's it taught you? Just have maximum risk and don't even think about it, which won't always be the correct answer. So what are you selling and what are you buying? Equity fund, we we trimming back the the you know you trimming back a little bit on some of the the, the, the retailers. Um, they've they've done okay. We had decent decent returns there, but just we've been trimming holdings a little bit there. I think a bit of a South African economy is probably struggling a little bit more than uh, than, than markets been realising. Um, so you cut back a little bit over there. 
Um, buying, we've actually just actually put in a, in a holding of, of physical gold into the equity fund, gold ETF. Um, that's an interesting one because gold gold can get sucked along by all this, this money creation in the system. Um, we held some gold last year and haven't been there for a while. Um, but it's looking like you investors are starting to buy physical gold again as, as, as an alternative. Interesting. Rob, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your insights. Great. Thank you to you and thanks to your listeners. That was Rob Spaniard, the Chief Investment Officer of Resco Asset Management.